Today's take, Thomas. Is that camera work? Three, two, one, and action. Hi, I'm Thomas. I walked with Jesus. I was one of his 12 disciples. But other than Judas, I'm probably the most infamous of the 12. Because I have this nickname that I've never been able to live down. Doubting Thomas. Have you ever done something that you could never live down? Like no matter what happens after that, good or bad, everybody remembers you for that one thing you did that one time? Yeah. I haven't always been doubting Thomas. I mean, I've always been a realist. Sure, that's the way God created me. But I gave up everything for Jesus, just like the others. I remember I was there when Jesus, things with Jesus got real serious and a little weird, honestly. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, A couple days before that, Jesus had fed thousands of people with a couple loaves of bread, a few fish. And so our, cl- our crowds were bigger than they had ever been. And Jesus was teaching and he looked at the crowds and he said, you're not here because of the signs I'm doing. You're here because you ate some bread and got full. In other words, you just want food, don't you? You're just here so I'll give you some more bread. And then he said that we shouldn't work for the food that perishes. But we should work for the food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man brings. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what he was talking about. It happened that way a lot. I looked at the 11 and we all were like, what now? Food that endures to eternal life? What is, what is Jesus even talking about? And that's, that's the way it was with Jesus. It was like he had the wisdom of the universe in him. And that's silly looking back now, because now I know he did have the wisdom of the universe in him. He was God in the flesh. But we didn't understand that. We just thought he was a man. The man, sure, but still a man. The Messiah, the Christ, but still a man. And so we didn't get it. Anyways, we didn't get a chance that day to ask him what he meant by what he was talking about, because... Someone in the crowd spoke up and asked a question. What did he say? Um, He said it kind of funny. He said, oh yeah, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? It was the same question that everybody always had for Jesus, just in a different, different way. He was asking, what do I have to do to get in? How do I get into the kingdom of God? How do I get that eternal life that you just mentioned, Jesus? What works do I have to do to get into the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus answered by saying that the works of God are to believe in him whom God sent. That's it. Just believe. Pretty sure Jesus glanced at me when he said that. I don't know. But I was thinking, I can do this. Come on, Thomas, you can do this. Just just believe. Just do it. You don't need to see. You don't need empirical evidence. Just 
Just believe. Come on, here comes the belief. I was struggling with this whole idea of just believing. Because I had seen Jesus do amazing things, sure, but how did I know that he was the son of God? I mean, that felt like a level jump to me. You know what I mean? How could I know that he was who he said he was? The, the crowds had the same question because they asked Jesus, well, what sign do you perform? What miracle are you going to do so that we might believe you? The crowds wanted to see and then believe. Made sense to me. I thought it was rational, reasonable even. They said, Moses called down manna from heaven. Jesus, what are you going to do so that we might believe you too? And Jesus, he answered by saying basically that he wasn't talking about bread for their stomachs. He said, I'm talking about the true bread of heaven that is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. And all of us were like, oh, we want that. <laughs> Can we have that? Give us that bread always. We, we were all, give us that bread always. And Jesus, he, he said one of his, his I am statements. You see, he had these statements, these big statements, just a few of them, that really just were so powerful and they, they revealed who he was in big ways. This was one of those. Jesus was just talking about bread and we had just said, give us this bread always. And so Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I was thinking, never thirst, never hunger, bread of life. What was Jesus talking about? I mean, who is this Jesus? How could I believe this huge statement that Jesus was saying about himself? How could I be sure he was who he said he was? I was doubting the whole thing. And then Jesus must have read my mind because he said, you have seen me and yet still you do not believe. Yeah. Ouch, right? And it was about that time also that, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees started to, they were leaders in our, our Jewish community, the people we were supposed to trust. They started to grumble about who Jesus was. And they didn't like that he said he was the, the bread of life. And so they said, is not this Jesus, Joseph's son, who, whose father and mother we know? And I was thinking, yeah, more doubts. Like, I mean, didn't they have a point? Didn't we know Mary and Joseph? Like, how could this guy be the bread of life like he was talking about? They had a point. A lot of people listened to him. I tried not to. But then Jesus just got weird. Because he said, the bread of life that I give to the world, the bread that I give to the world, for the life of the world, is my flesh. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? Eat your flesh and drink your blood? Jesus got weird. 
And it was freaking everybody out. We were like, what is he talking about? A lot of the disciples, the ones following Jesus other than the 12, they left at that time. The crowds got a lot smaller back then, right at that point. It was a hard teaching. And Jesus, he he looked at us, the 12, and he said, do you want to go away as well? And I was thinking, maybe, (laughs) This is getting weird. Maybe I will go. I mean, good grief. What are you talking about? Eat your flesh. Maybe I will. But then my friend Peter spoke up. Peter was always speaking up, (laughs) even if he didn't have anything to say. You ever met anybody like that? He spoke up as always, but this time he was right. He said, To Jesus, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? He was right. Jesus, we had given everything up for this Jesus. Where were we going to go? And if Jesus was who he said he was, then we we would never want to leave. And so... I had a choice. I could bail with the masses or I could stay strong with the 12. I chose to stay strong with the 12. I I chose to believe or at least to try. But I couldn't get out of my head what our leaders had said about Jesus. I mean, wasn't he just Mary and Joseph's son? I mean, did we know where he came from? How could he be the bread of life? And looking back, I'm sure that Jesus knew that I had doubts, that everybody, that all of us had doubts. And yet, he just kept patiently and lovingly teaching us, helping us to understand, grabbing us by the hand and leading us one step at a time. That's how I know that doubts don't scare Jesus. And faith, maybe faith is not about having no doubts, but about going forward in spite of them. Jesus was patient with me through my doubts. But we all had doubts, okay? It wasn't just me. But we don't call Peter doubting Peter, do we? We don't call James doubting James. I'm still a little bitter about that. Because I told you, I'm Thomas. I walked with Jesus. I was one of his 12 disciples. But other than Judas, I'm probably the most infamous of the 12. Because I have this nickname that I just can't live down. Doubting Thomas. Well, after that, the leaders of our Jewish community, they, they escalated things from there quickly. Everything Jesus said seemed to push them to more and more anger. Until finally they started talking about how they wanted to have Jesus killed, murdered. Didn't seem to bother Jesus, though. He just kept doing what he was doing. 
But we started to, to realize, the 12 started to realize that we were in trouble too, that we might die also. They probably wouldn't stop with just Jesus. They would kill us too. And this became more and more evident to me specifically because I told you I'm a realist, right? And I thought for sure we were going to end up dying if Jesus died. And so one day I just, I just said it out loud. I just blurted it out loud. It was when Jesus' friend Lazarus was sick, and we had just heard that he was sick. Lazarus was Mary and Martha's brother, and he was our friend. We had spent time with him, and when we heard he was sick and maybe even dying, we all thought that Jesus would go to him immediately and heal him. I mean, why not? He had healed a lot of people up to this point. Why not his friend Lazarus? But he didn't. Jesus had us stay right where we were, ministering to the people we were ministering to at the time, which was great for me because we were outside of Judea, outside of the danger zone where everybody wanted to kill us. And Lazarus and his sisters were inside the danger zone. So I was happy staying in the safe zone. You know what I mean? I was happy not going where people wanted us stoned and not, not recreationally speaking. They wanted to kill us. I didn't want to go into the danger zone. And, but then two days later, Jesus, he, he said all of a sudden, let, let, us go, let us go back to Judea again. Just like that. Let us go back to Judea again. Like we were going to go eat up, get a bite to eat or something. Let us go back to Judea again. Like there weren't people there trying to kill us. Let us go back to Judea again. I couldn't believe he was saying it. All of us were against it. We were all like, let's not do that. Let's not go to the danger zone. We're safe here. Let's stay safe here. Let's not do that. We all said to him together, the, the Jews there are seeking to stone you and you would go back. I was glad that the boys were with me on this. We're not going to Judea. And then Jesus, he, he said something about walking in the light and how we needed to walk in the day and not the, not the night because if you walk in the darkness, you trip over stuff and fall down. I can't really remember, but I remember thinking, what is he talking about? He's lost it. The, the pressure of the savior of the world, that whole thing, the messiahship, it had just caused him to just finally just break and lose his mind. He's lost it. Let's keep him here. And then Jesus kind of snapped out of it and he looked at us and he said, my friend Lazarus is sick or sleeping. My friend Lazarus is sleeping. I need to go wake him up. And we were all like, uh, Jesus, here's what we think. If Lazarus is sick, maybe he needs his rest. We're just saying. Maybe he could sleep it off in the danger zone while we stay in the safe zone. How about that? If he's sick, he needs some rest, right, Jesus? So let's not go wake him up. We were lost. We had no idea what Jesus was saying. So he said it clearly, plainly. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Believe? Wasn't that what we were doing? 
I mean, we had given everything up for Jesus. Didn't we already believe? Hadn't we already proved that we believed in Jesus? What was he talking about? He was glad Lazarus had died so that we may believe. And why didn't he get that if we went to Judea, it'd be us that died? All this was going on in my head and there was confusion. And so I just turned to the guys, the other disciples, and I said, well, let us go with him also so that we may die with him. Let's just go die. It wasn't a faith-filled moment for me. (laughs) Jesus was talking about how we needed to believe and he couldn't get it out of his head that we needed to go to Judea and I knew we would die there. I was at my wits end. Well, let's just go die, I guess, guys. Come on. Jesus is going to kill us. Let's go do this. Wasn't a faith-filled moment for me, but I wanted Jesus to know that one, we would die if we went to Judea. And two, I was willing to die with him if he thought I should. I wanted Jesus to understand that I believed enough already. Enough with this so they might believe stuff. I already believed. I already gave everything away for Jesus. I was already there. Stop saying that. I wanted him to know that I had believed enough already. Well, Jesus, he, he didn't rebuke me for my outburst. He didn't get mad at me for my doubt. Instead, he just led us to Lazarus. And sure enough, when we got there, Lazarus was dead, just like Jesus had said. By the time we got there, he had been dead for full days. And I was thinking, what could Jesus do, right? I mean, it's probably too late. He's been dead four days. He's in the tomb. I don't think there's anything that Jesus really can do here. And then Martha, Lazarus's sister, came out, and she was thinking the same thing because she said, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But then Jesus turned to her and he said, your brother will rise again. And I was thinking, really? I mean, could Jesus really do this? Could he raise back to life someone who'd been dead for four days, already in the tomb? Could he really pull this off? I wasn't sure. Neither was Martha, because she thought that he was talking about rising again, the resurrection at the last day, all of us rising again. But then Jesus said with this this power in his voice that's hard to describe. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. It was one of those I am statements I was telling you about earlier. And it was amazing. It's like it started to sink in. Like, yeah, maybe the resurrection wasn't something we had to look forward to someday. Maybe the resurrection was standing in front of us. Maybe Jesus is the resurrection. My mind was spinning trying to understand it all. And I asked myself, am I that man? Am I the man that believes that though he die, yet shall he live? Is that me? Do I believe? And I realized in that moment 
that I was still taking steps in my belief in Jesus. That I believed, but I had some unbelief because when Jesus said things like this, I took a step forward. I learned that belief is in some ways like a journey that Jesus leads us on. That belief comes one step at a time as, we, as God patiently reveals himself to us. I was still taking steps of belief in Jesus. And that made sense, right? Because if Jesus had said he was the resurrection and the life back on day one, we wouldn't have believed. We wouldn't have been able to make that leap. We wouldn't have been able to follow him. But now, sitting in this moment where he was talking to Martha and he had said this statement about him being the resurrection and the life, in this moment, I, I, was, I was considering it. Maybe he is the resurrection and the life. Well, what happened next just proved it even more. Jesus led us towards Lazarus' tomb. And Mary came out, Lazarus' other sister, and she said the same thing that Martha had said. Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus, he, he began to weep. He cried. I've never seen him so moved before that time. He cried. He was moved with compassion. And he asked where the tomb was. And we started to walk towards the tomb. And what, what happens next? I don't expect you to believe. Because if I hadn't been there, seen it with my own two eyes, I guarantee you I would not have believed. But Jesus, he stood at the mouth of the tomb and there was this foul odor because Lazarus had been dead for so long. And Jesus, he, he called out to Lazarus, the, the dead man. He just said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, the, the dead man, Mary and Martha's brother, our friend, he, he walked out of the tomb alive. And we, we were just shocked. We fell to our knees. We didn't know what else to do. Mary and Martha were shocked. We were all silent. Jesus had to snap them out of it. He said, Mary, Martha, go unwrap Lazarus so he can see, so he can walk. He had his burial linens wrapped around him. He had to, Jesus had to snap them out of it. And I was thinking, this is amazing. Jesus is the resurrection. He wasn't lying. He is who he says he is. He just raised back to life someone who had been dead for four days. He has to be the resurrection and the life. I believed in that moment that Jesus was who he said he was. Or at least I thought I did. That was all about to be tested. Because I told you, I'm Thomas. I walked with Jesus. I was one of his 12 disciples. But other than Judas, I'm probably the most infamous of the 12. Because I've got this nickname 
that I've never been able to live down. Doubting Thomas. You see, I got that nickname because I didn't believe. It was when Jesus was resurrected himself. Let me back up a, a bit. Jesus was arrested and beaten and murdered. I'd always said if, if he went back there that he would die, that we would die. But I hoped it wasn't true. But Jesus talked all the time about how he had to die. But we just, we just didn't get it. Like Peter, James, John, all of us, we didn't get it. We all thought that Jesus was going to raise up an army and overthrow Rome and, and usher in a time of peace and prosperity for Israel as a world power. We all thought that was going to happen. And so when Jesus died, you have to understand, when Jesus died, we were lost. We had no idea what was going on. We didn't get it. We were second guessing everything. Our world had crumbled to the ground. And so when Mary Magdalene came running up and said she had seen Jesus alive near the tomb, we didn't know what to think. I mean, was she hysterical or what? didn't make any sense. And then Jesus appeared to the disciples. But I wasn't there. I was out getting supplies or taking a walk. I don't remember. Things were so in such turmoil back then. I don't remember where I was, but when I got back, Jesus wasn't there anymore. And, and my friends, the other disciples, they, they told me that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were jazzed about it. Everybody was ecstatic. And they were telling me what Jesus had done and what he had said. But it was crazy, right? I mean, I had seen Jesus hanging from the cross. I had watched as they drove a spear through his side. I had heard him yell, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thought that minute was over. I mean, he had said as much from the cross. He said, it is finished. It was over. We had laid him in a tomb. He had been dead three full days. It was too much. It was too much belief. It was too much of a leap to make. I, I wasn't going to put my hope in Jesus again. I wasn't going to get my hopes up. Not again. And so as my friends tried to convince me that Jesus had risen again, I said, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger into the marks of the nails. And I put my hand into his side. I will never believe. I was broken. If belief is a journey, I had gotten lost in mine. I had taken a hundred steps backwards. To my shame, I said this. And to my shame, I meant it. I had tried belief. Jesus 
had died. He had left us. It hadn't worked out. I wasn't about to put my hope in him again. Not again. I was done with belief. And looking back now, I, I didn't deserve Jesus' grace and his love. I mean, Peter might have been the one to deny Jesus outwardly three times, but at least he was there believing. I refuse to believe. I refuse to chance belief in Jesus again, not again. And so for eight days, I doubted. For eight full days, my friends tried to convince me of this good news that Jesus had risen again, but I could not believe But after the eight days, Jesus appeared again. And this time, I was there. No bathroom breaks for me. Jesus appeared to us again, and I was there. And and he immediately looked at me, and he said, Thomas, come and put your hand, put your fingers here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And I, I didn't have any more room for doubt. I just fell to my knees before Jesus, and I said, my Lord and my God, I had doubted long enough. And Jesus, he he didn't kick me out of the group for my doubt. He didn't make me leave. He, He just patiently and lovingly kept teaching me and leading me. He saw through my doubt. I was there for the next 40 days as... Jesus taught us. I was there when Jesus ascended into heaven. I was at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and and empowered us. I became an apostle. I led people to Christ. I started churches. God called me to India and I, I saw the gospel take root in the hearts of many. I was willing to die for my Jesus. He, he, he loved me even through my doubt. That's, that's when I learned that Jesus is not only the giver of faith, but the restorer of faith too. If you have doubts, all is not lost. I'm a testament to that truth. Because I'm Thomas. I walked with Jesus. I was one of the 12 disciples. But other than Judas, I'm probably the most infamous of the 12 because I have this Nickname I've never been able to live down. Doubting Thomas. But Jesus, he didn't see me as doubting Thomas. He looked through my doubt and he restored my faith. He saw what I could be for him. He took my hand and took the journey of belief with me one step at a time. He saw Thomas the apostle 
the first missionary to India. That's my take, my perspective on Jesus. What's yours? What do you believe? Do you have doubts? They don't have to stop you. Take it from me. They do not, your doubts do not have to stop you. Have you lost faith? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the restorer of faith. It's not too late. Just ask him.